Well, today we are finishing up our Axis series that we started last week. It's this mini two-part series, and last week we learned all about how uh, there is a thing called an axis on a graph, and there are normally horizontal lines and vertical lines, and we talked about how this horizontal line in our spiritual life can represent uh, our relationships with others and our need to serve uh, others and serve the church and serve the people of God and also to make sure that our relationships are good and that we don't have anything um, against other people. Well, today we're going to look at the other line, which is the vertical line. And so we're completing our graph this morning. But before we we look at this, I want to give you a little confession this morning. Uh, about me. For those of you who may not know much about me or you've been around me just a little bit and you really don't know me in, in depth, then you probably won't know something that, uh, about me that actually I smell everything. I like have this like problem and it's that I like just smell stuff. And so if I know something is going to smell good, I like get it and I smell it. And it's like, mmm, it's really nice and I feel good. If I know something is going to smell bad, I smell it anyway and then I might gag after it. And I just have this problem with smelling things. Not that I'm a freak or anything like that, so don't worry. I'm not going to come up to you like, mmm, what do you smell like today? But, but I have this thing where I just smell things and it's just like this compulsive like habit. And I really think that out of the five senses that we have, smell is my strongest and most sensitive sense. And so I'll give you a quick example. So two weeks ago, uh, my wife Raquel and myself were coming to church and she had to uh, uh, stop by ShopRite and go get something. So we get out of the car and we walk into ShopRite and suddenly my sinuses are hit with this most disgusting, awful smell. Smell, and I look over at Kel, and she's got this nasty look on her face. And then I look at everyone else in the store, and everyone's just like, like going with like this. Their faces like screwed up, like, oh, what is that? Everybody wants to like shout out, what is that smell? But nobody's like brave enough to do it. And it was this smell, like a cross between something burning, and maybe there was like a dead rat in the air conditioning, and it was whiffing through the vents. It was nasty. I'm serious. It was horrible. So. We're walking through the store in about five minutes in the store. I turn to Raquel, and I'm like, we got to get out of here. She's like, why? I'm like, I'm going to gag. And she's like, I'm the pregnant woman here. I'm supposed to have sensitive sinuses, not you. I'm like, no, seriously, we got to get out of here. I am going to gag. And so, you know, we quickly check out, and I get outside. And as soon as I get outside, it's like I breathe, like, the fresh air, the wonderful Bel Air fresh air, right? And I'm like, oh, it felt so good. And I realized I wasn't going to gag. And then last week, I was at home, and I was staining some wood, and it was cold outside, so I didn't really open the windows or the doors. And so this, if you know anything about stain, stain stinks. And so it, it like gets everywhere. And, and I was staining. Suddenly some of the stain got on my hands. And uh, I, I didn't have gloves. So I was like improvising and trying some other stuff. But it got on my hands. And so suddenly my hands started to smell of stain. And you know when you get that smell and it sticks up your nose and you just can't get rid of it. And wherever you go, it's like that smell. It was like that smell of the stain. And so everywhere I was doing, everything I was doing, all I smelled was stain. And so I kept washing my hands and washing my hands, but it wasn't coming out. And so I've got this habit, if something smells on my hand, I like 
just like have to keep smelling it to see if it's there. I don't know why. I'm just weird. It's like you've got your weird things as well. So I kept like, I'm like, oh man. So I wash my hands again. Oh, I keep washing my hands and it was keep on being there. And so I got to the point in the end where I could not rest or relax or get on with the rest of my day until the smell had gone. And I went to bed that night. I woke up. First thing I did in the morning was, Oh man, still there. And so I hated it because my hands were stained. And even though the rest of my body was clean, like my head was clean, my arms were clean, my legs were clean, you know, my chest was clean, my hair was clean, my hands were not clean. And so I felt totally unclean because my hands were unclean. It's the same thing when I was in ShopRite, I was walking around and I just felt nasty, this nasty smell. And I just had to get out of there to get away from the smell. And as I was going through what I call this Alex ordeal, because for most of you, it wouldn't be an ordeal. You wouldn't have a problem with it. But for me, it was an Alex ordeal. As I was going through this ordeal, it reminded me of John chapter 13. And something that happened there that Jesus did with his disciples. And it reminded me of just the way our vertical relationship between us and God can be, uh, can, can, can be implicated. And, and the problems that we have in this vertical relationship with us and with God. It reminded me that Jesus said that he has come to wash us clean And he has come to clean us from the stench of sin. The Bible is clear that sin is like a stench. It's a nasty smell that gets up your nose, that makes you want to gag. And and God has come and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come to clean us from that stench of sin. So if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. And we're going to read from verse 1. This is what it says. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his father. He had loved his disciples during his earthly ministry, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel he had around him. When Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never, ever wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Simon Peter exclaimed, then wash my hands and head as well, Lord, not just my feet. 
So verse 10, it says, Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And the, and you disciples clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. That is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? So just to set the scene here, so Jesus is about to partake in a meal with his disciples. And in, as they begin to sit down, Jesus looks around at people's feet and starts to see that their feet are dirty. Have you ever been at a meal with people like that? Like you sit down, you're ready to like eat, and then someone's like, something's not right. You know, the napkins aren't folded right. Or, you know, it's like, oh, something's still in the oven. And it's like you're waiting to eat, but somebody keeps interrupting you. And this is what happened. They were all ready to eat. They were all hungry. And Jesus, in the middle of them about to take their first bite, their first, I don't know, spoon of soup or first, like, uh, I don't know, fork of meat, And as they're about to eat, Jesus gets up from the table. He takes off his clothes, his robe. He gets a towel. He wraps it around his waist. He goes over to the sink, takes a bucket, fills it with water. And then he comes back to the table and he starts to kneel down at the disciples' feet. And he starts to wash their feet. Just imagine this for the moment. Maybe you invited someone over to your house for dinner. You're about to eat, then that person gets up and starts taking their clothes off. Then they get a towel and wrap it around their waist, and they go to the sink, and they start filling it with water. And then they come, and they untie the laces on your shoes. They take off your stinky socks, and then they start to wash your feet. I mean, if I am those people, I am thinking, what is going on? I'm like, Jesus, have you, like, been at the wine already? Like, what? I mean, what is going on, Jesus? I would be really embarrassed and really concerned for Jesus. But this was normal practice for them because they would always have people come in to wash their feet. But for the disciples, this must have been an extra embarrassing moment because here is Jesus, the one who has performed miracles, the one who has raised the dead, the one who they are beginning to understand is the Messiah, is God now in human flesh. Here is this one who glorifies heaven now washing their feet, washing the dirt off their feet. Notice for a moment, see what Jesus did. Jesus spotted that they weren't entirely clean. So Jesus takes off his robes of a teacher and he gets into his work clothes. He gets into the clothes that you have to wear if you're going to wash people's feet. Now, if you were to go and do a dirty job at home, maybe you were going to go and, I don't know, unplug your drains because they're all backed up. If you were going to go out to do some yard work, maybe you were going to like to rake some mulch or go cut the grass, or maybe you were going to go painting, or maybe you were going to like rip down some drywall and you were going to mud some drywall 
you would not put on your best suit. You would not put on your best pair of jeans, put on your high heels. Guys, no, I'm kidding. And you would not go out in those clothes because they would get dirty. Instead, you would put on work clothes so that you could feel that you, you have the liberty to do what you have to do, to do the job that you have to do. And this is what Jesus did. Jesus put on clothes so that he could do the job. And I tell you this morning, I believe in this place that God is in this place and he's got his work clothes on ready to clean your souls and help clean the dirt and the grime in your life. He's not sitting on some throne and like just worship me. He's down getting dirty, making sure that your souls and your hearts are clean. And that's what Jesus did with these disciples. So as Jesus takes off his clothes and puts on these new clothes, Peter starts feeling uncomfortable. And Jesus comes to Peter and Peter says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? He says, no, you're never going to wash, never, ever going to wash my feet. And I think at times we feel like Peter when we come to God. We know that there's a part of our lives that is unclean, that is dirty. Peter's feet were dirty. But we like to like hide it, right? I mean, if I was there at the table, I probably would have sat down, like, like tried to like put my like, legs behind each other so that Jesus wouldn't see my dirty feet. And that's how we often are when we come to God. We don't like to show God our dirt and our grime. We don't like to show God our failures and the stench of sin in our lives. And we often get embarrassed. And we're even like that when people are around, especially other church people, people sometimes that we feel are better than us. We like to hide our sin. My grandfather, he uh, was a pastor and he grew up in a time when Christians did not watch TV. You did not watch TV as a Christian because the TV was the devil's box. I mean, it was like this huge box with this little screen. And it's like the devil came into your home through the TV. So nobody had TVs if they were Christians. But yet my grandfather, being the preacher, he liked TV. And my mom, she liked the TV, and my uncle and my other auntie liked the TV, and my grandmother, my grandfather would sit down and watch whatever sport they had or watch the news, and my mom would watch whatever, I don't know, 1950s show that they had on. If they even, did they have TV in the 1950s? I don't know. But they did, yeah. So they would watch the TV. But when somebody from the church would come, do you know what they would do? Hide it, yes. Do you know how they hid it? Like me, I'm thinking, okay, quick, get in in the attic. Like, stuff it in a closet. No, they had a specially made blanket. Like, specially made. My grandma made it. And when people from the church came, they took the blanket and they covered the devil's box. I mean, to me, I'm thinking, okay, I love you. You're my family. You're my grandparents, my mother. But you're stupid. I'm like, people are going to come in. They see a big old blanket, this box thing with a blanket over in the corner. They're going to know it's the TV, people. They know it's the TV. And that's often how we are in our lives. 
We have dirt, we have stench, we have sin in our lives, but we like to hide it. And it's like we like to put a, a blanket over our stench and our sin. You know, when I was at middle school, we had gym class and our gym teacher would always make us take a shower. Always. Like everybody, all the boys were like, everyone in the showers. You know, and as middle schoolers, we hated it. I mean, we felt weird about ourselves anyway. And so we didn't want to get unchanged in front of other kids and go and take a shower. So a lot of us, we would just go, we would like stick our head under the water and come out. Yeah, I took a shower, you know. And then then some of the boys, I mean, especially the really stinky boys, you know, I mean, they were, I don't know why they did this. But they would come and they would get like axe spray, you know, like like deodorant, like the axe spray. And they would just spray the whole body with all this axe spray. But the problem is, is axe spray, it's kind of nasty, I think, anyway. But you add it on top of middle school body odor. And it makes the most disgusting smell ever. And so what these middle schoolers were doing, they were, would go out and they were like smelling. And you could see as, as they opened the gym doors, everyone like walking by would be like <coughs> coughing. And it would be nasty because they were trying to cover their stench and their stink. stink. And so often we are like that with God and with others. We like to try to cover our stench and our stink. But have you ever noticed, I don't know about you, but I love taking showers. I actually like baths as well, but, you know, we haven't got a nice bathtub at home. But, but I like to feel clean. You know, you come out of the shower and you feel clean, you feel great. You know, it's, it's like you want to smell your hands now, you know, not because it's got the stench, stench of stain. It's like, oh, wonderful roses, lavender and all that sort of stuff. And you like it. You like the smell. And so what so often happens, we hate having to like go anywhere because we like to be clean. We don't like to get dirty. Some of us, we don't want to go out in the yard because we're going to get dirty. We, 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 we put off certain jobs because we like to be clean. But so often, being clean can take over our purpose in life. And so I had a friend growing up called Adam, real great friend, and his mom went through a period of, in her life where she had this compulsive OCD where she would bleach her kitchen twice a day. She would wake up in the morning, she would get the bleach, and she would bleach the whole kitchen. And then at the end of the day, she would bleach it all again because so many germs happen overnight, right? And so she would be cleaning and cleaning, and Adam would tell me, he would be like, you know, we can't even use the, 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 the kitchen in the day. It's like, I want to go and make a sandwich. And my mom's like, no, 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 that's clean. That, I've bleached that. Don't touch it. And so what happened, she was more concerned in being clean than she was in actually using the kitchen for what the kitchen is for. And the kitchen is for cooking and for storing food and for having a good hangout, right? Everyone hangs out in the kitchen. But what happened, she got so obsessed with being clean that she forgot the function of the kitchen. And so often as Christians are like that, we get so obsessed with being clean and making sure that we are clean before God that we forget the function that we were designed to be. And that's to go and tell people about Jesus. That's to go and get our hands dirty and be out in the community and tell them about Jesus. And so often we just want to be clean. And this is exactly what happened with Peter. So Peter hears 
Jesus says, look, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me. And so Peter says, well, Lord, then clean my hands and my head and everything as well. He wanted the full makeover. And so often we are like that because once you feel the moment of no more stain in your life, you can't help but live in that moment. Like when I walked out of ShopRite and I breathed the beautiful fresh air of Bel Air. It was so much better to live in that moment than go back in the stench of the smell. When I finally got the stain off my hands, it was so much nicer to smell my nice hands instead of my stain-ridden hands. But Jesus says to Peter, he says this. He says, Peter, a person who has bathed does not need to wash except for their feet. What Jesus was telling them, he says, disciples, I've come to wash the dirty parts of your life. The parts that just are continually getting dirty time and time again. He was saying, look, your, your head is clean, your hands are clean, but your dirty, stinky, hairy, smelly feet are dirty. And he was saying that that's the part I have come to clean. And that's what Jesus has come to us. He's come to clean the dirty parts of our lives. The stain-ridden parts of our lives. The parts of our lives that really are a stench to God. Jesus has come to get dirty so that you can be clean. See, Jesus was showing to these disciples He was saying to them, you're good people. You're good moral people. He was saying to them, he's saying, look, you're followers of Jesus. You're followers of Christ. He says, there's nothing seriously wrong with you. You're not like these criminals or these people who are obviously sinful people. But there were still areas of their life that was dirty and needed cleaning. And in this place today, you guys, you're not terrible people. Maybe your spouse might say you're a terrible person, but no, you're not. Maybe the people at work might think you're terrible, but you're not. You're good people. You are good people. And good people don't want to do bad things. But the, dip, the reality is, is there are areas of your life, of your soul, that is dirty, that is stain-ridden, that is a stench. You see, these disciples, they lived in an area that they could spend all day in the spa, but they could walk outside for five minutes and their feet would be dirty because their environment made them dirty. And we live in a culture where our environment, just by living, can make us dirty. And I ask you today, what is your dirty feet? What is your dirty feet? Is it what you watch? Is it just by putting on the TV, you're watching things and you know that it's causing a dirt and a stain to your soul? Maybe it's the the language that you hear through the TV or the visions or or the visual things that you see that you know are causing a stain to your soul. 
Maybe it's what you hear. Maybe you sit in your cubicle at work and you hear everybody around gossiping or telling coarse jokes or using foul language. And just by being in that environment, you feel the dirt on your soul. Maybe it's what you say. Maybe you can't help but sometimes just say things that you know are not appropriate or aren't right. And if your grandma was around, you would never say it. But you know it's what you say is making your soul feel dirty. Maybe it's times of anger or outbursts of jealousy that is causing your heart to be soiled and your heart to be stained. Maybe it's a moment of envy and you look at other people and you're seeing envy. Maybe it's an inner lust that you just can't shake away. Or maybe it's an outer addiction that you can't overcome. But you know that when you walk through your environment, you know you are going to get dirty. What are your dirty feet today? What is your environment causing your feet to become dusty? See, we live in a culture where what you do every day has the potential to cause your soul to become dirty. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples in this moment that there is a need to find continual cleansing There is a need to continually be clean. Now, I hope all of you wash every day. Maybe some of you don't. I encourage you, wash every day. Some of you, you know, you brush your teeth once or twice a day. I hope it's twice a day. If it's not, start brushing your teeth twice a day. See, when I was a middle schooler, I didn't understand the need to wash every day. And then I started to realize that if I washed and I did my hair and I cleaned my teeth, that other girls would like look at me and they would actually notice me. And I'm like, okay, now I need to start washing even more. I need to be clean and continually clean. And that's exactly like it is for our souls. Every day we need this continual cleansing unless Jesus says, I come and wash your feet, you will have no part of me. Meaning there will be no forgiveness of sins. There will be no abundant life that Christ guaranteed. There will be no freedom from sin. And it's important to daily come to that place of surrender to God. For it's in that place of surrender that we find ourselves at that place where Jesus comes and cleans our souls. And that place of surrender is daily coming, kneeling before the cross of Jesus. And this is why it's the cross of Jesus. Because it was on that cross where Jesus shed his blood. And it's his blood that is shed for us that is is the antidote to our stained souls. You may try to wash yourself with moral living. You may try to wash yourself with coming to church and volunteering. But the only thing that can wash your stained soul is by daily coming to that cross and letting the blood of Jesus wash the stain of your sin. In this week (coughs) that we're about to partake in, people call it Holy Week. It was the week when Jesus came into Jerusalem and it led up to the the, the arrest and the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. 
And it was in this week that Jesus came and he died on a cross. And he shed that blood. And this morning we're going to come around the communion table. And as we come around the communion table this morning, Jesus, that same night that he washed his disciples' feet, after he had finished washing, he put his robe back on, he washed his hands, and he sat back at the table. And then he took some bread. And he started to break it. And he broke it into many different pieces. And as he started breaking the bread, Jesus turned to his disciples and he said, This is my body, which was broken for you. He said, When you eat this bread, Remember me. It was a body that was broken so that our bodies could be whole. A body that was broken so that we could be mended. And then Jesus took the cup. The cup was a little bigger than this. And he poured it with wine. And he says, this cup. This cup symbolizes a new covenant. A covenant is an agreement. And he was talking about the agreement between God and man. You see, there was an old agreement. And the old agreement was that man was sinful. Man had stained souls. And the only way to be clean was to go through a long list of do's and don'ts, a long list of rituals that no man had ever, except for Jesus, been able to do. It was impossible to keep that agreement on man's behalf. And Jesus says this cup symbolizes a new covenant. He said it's a covenant that is confirmed with my blood. What he meant by that was that his blood was going to be shed. And through his blood that was shed on that cross at a mount called Golgotha, That blood was going to come, and it was going to come and wash the stain of your sins away. And Jesus says to drink that cup in remembrance of me. See, we're in this moment of communion. That these disciples suddenly realized that Jesus had come to wash their sins away. And we're going to take communion in a moment. And as we take communion, I ask you, what dirt does God need to clean today? What grime, what stain does God need to clean today? What, what, what is continually causing your soul to get dirty? What part of your feet is Jesus kneeling down with a basin and a water and he is cleaning? What part of your lives is God cleaning? What part of your soul does Jesus' blood have to reach. You see, in this place today, we're going to come around communion and there is forgiveness of sins. And this symbolizes the forgiveness of sins. There is freedom from that stench of sin.